You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Daniel Williams as we go through a series called God Redeems, a study through the book of Exodus. Well, hey, with the posture of worship, why don't you open your Bibles? Exodus chapter 15 is where we find ourselves tonight. We're going to continue to worship and Man, as we just wait on the Lord, as you enjoy His presence, take communion, have just time with God, we just recognize that He's with us. That's our main goal, is to exalt Jesus in this place. And um, man, what a blessing. What a blessing to be with God and with you. Exodus chapter 15. Tonight we'll cover five verses. And yes, it will still take a long time to do so. If you haven't taken communion, please do so. Enjoy the presence of God. You are free. You can have fellowship with Him. I pray that the Spirit of God teaches you uh, and just blesses you. And we are just, uh, just filled with joy as we study God's Word together. Uh, tonight we're going to have a message called Bitter Water Made Sweet. Bitter Water Made Sweet. That could preach, can it? Just that title alone. I don't know about you, but in my life I've had some bitter moments. I've had some hardships, some times where I need God to turn things around. And um, it seems like life, well, it can get hard. It can get bitter, even as a Christian. Even as someone that follows after God, that has sweet experiences with the Lord, you can still find yourself in a situation which we would call a trial, a rock in a hard place, a, a hard situation, a bitter situation. And this is where we find the people of God in this text tonight. They're in another hard situation. You would think with this book, the book of Exodus, it would be this one of deliverance and amazing because um, just nothing but um, just happy life, I guess. Right? We're calling the series God Redeems. But there's something that God has to redeem. He has to redeem us, and we are broken. And we live in this world where things just don't go the way that they should because of sin, because who we are, imperfect, and yet in this book we're seeing God's love for imperfect people like you and me. You know, Romans 15, chapter 4 says, For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance, you and I, we would have encouragement of scriptures through, so that we might have hope in them. I hope that your heart is filled with hope as we're studying about these real people of Israel. And sometimes we look at Israel like, oh, those, those people back then. no. Those same tendencies are in us. We're imperfect people. We complain. We go through hard times. And our God is still the same. He wants to love us, care for us, teach us. And he wants to teach us through his word tonight, just through this great story of encouragement through the book of Exodus. And so we find ourselves in this book where the people are set free now. They um, have experienced great miracles, not only plagues, but they parted the Red Sea. Last week, Pastor Robin did a great job talking about how they had songs of praise. Miriam, Moses, the people of God, they were singing and celebrating, but the people of God now are still going to experience hardship. You're going to have moments in your life where you have God do a great work, and you're going to trust Him, and He's going to be amazing and come through, and you're going to give Him praise, but this life is not over. You're in a journey. And things will still come up that will challenge you. And don't forget, God wants us to continually trust Him in all seasons. In all seasons. And so we give Him praise for the good seasons and in the bad. And we're coming on this new section of Exodus. We've been sort of thinking about sections like with the plagues, the Passover, the Red Sea, the the singing. We're sort of in this section of testing now. 
testing. Exodus 15 through 17, we see the Israelites' journey through the wilderness. And we actually see that just as the Holy Spirit led Jesus in the wilderness, God also leads us into wilderness seasons, hardships, trials. Not because he's cruel, but actually because he's kind. He wants to strengthen our faith and to trust him. And verse 25, as we're about to read, it tells us the Lord did this test to these people to show them where they were really at, to show them their faith and their trust where they were really at. Moses put it this way after reflecting on the nation of Israel and his leadership to them after 40 years. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. He tells them, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. God already knows your faith. The question is, do you know it? And through testing and through trials, it reveals it to you how much you need God, what is really going on. And, t- and these testings, these trials, these wilderness seasons, as they come to us, they actually humble us. And this is exactly what we need because God pours out his grace to the humble. And we actually get a more dependent on him. You see, there is good news. There's gospel in these testings because for all those who call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved. And so in your trial, in your testing, in the wilderness, the role of a believer is to trust God by just calling out to God, by submitting to him more. God meets us in hard moments. And we as Christians need to understand this. God is sufficient to trust him in all seasons, including a wilderness season. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, God told him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so God can and still does work through tests, through trials, and uses wildernesses for our good. Here's the big idea. I wrote it down. Hopefully you can too. On our wilderness journey, we learn to trust God for our provision. It's a key principle that we're going to see over and over again in this book, but specifically in these three tests. Our wilderness journey, in our wilderness journey, man, we learn to trust God for our provision, and this is good news for our soul. To go through something so we can be strengthened, so we can have a testimony. Remember, our job is to make disciples, to be a witness We need to be witnessing of God's power in our life, and he's going to bring us through things to trust him to be a witness. Like David cried out in Psalms, Psalm 13, 5 and 6, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. We see them doing this now, don't we? As in Exodus chapter 15, they're praising, they're trusting God, and yet... God is still going to bring them through the wilderness so that they can have more trust. It's from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Here's a couple of quotes about the wilderness. Riken, commentator, says, Going through the wilderness was not necessarily for Israel's salvation, but it was necessary for their sanctification. The prince of preaching, Charles Spurgeon, called the wilderness the Oxford and Cambridge for God's students. Murda commentary, he says, God trains us, disciples us, and sanctifies us in the wilderness. And Christ-centered commentary, they put it this way, like Israel, we too are sojourners who have redeemed, have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, 
who have crossed over to the other side by grace and who are now on the way to the promised land. In this faith journey, in our wilderness, God is sanctifying us and teaching us to trust Him, to love Him, and to follow Him. This is what we want our response to be when we go through a hard, a hard season, a wilderness season, a desert season, a dry season. And so there are three consecutive tests in this section of the book that God is dealing with His people to bless them, to sanctify them, to get them closer to Him. Test number one we're going to look at tonight, these five verses, Exodus 15, 22-27, the bitter water made sweet. Test number two, there's going to be bread from heaven. What we, you may know is manna, Exodus chapter 16. Then the third test is going to be Exodus chapter 17, verses 1 through 7, water from a rock. All necessities of life that God is going to allow them to trust Him in. And God allows us to trust Him in all the necessities of life as well. So let's read this section. Let's pray through it. And we'll continue to worship in this way. Exodus chapter 15, verse 22 through 27. It says this, Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah, which means bitterness. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. The Lord showed him a log. Some translations, if you have New King James or others, may say tree. He threw it into the water, and the water became sweet. Then the Lord made for them a statue and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statues, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord Yahweh." I am your healer. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for meeting us here. We thank you, God, even now for your presence. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to teach, for you to bless, for you, Lord, to give us hope and encouragement through your word. Lord, we thank you so much that this is a place of worship. We desire to do that now. Holy Spirit, would you strengthen and equip us and encourage us as we continue to worship through the study of your word. And we thank you, God, for these different tests. We thank you that we don't have to Bear the weight of these things, but just call upon your name, for you are the God that passed all tests. You are the perfect uh, one that we look to tonight, not only for our salvation, but for our sanctification, for our satisfaction, for our joy, for our peace. Uh, God, for everything that we lack, you are that healer. You are that provider, Jehovah Rophi, Lord. We praise your name. We bless you. We thank you for your goodness, and we ask we'd see more of it tonight. It's in your name we pray, and everyone said, amen. Well, what I want to do tonight as we go into this new section is show you through this text some purposes of a wilderness season. A wilderness season. Why? Because God's people goes through wilderness, like I said, go through testing, go through trials. Um, and I also think that there are some great lessons we could learn as we just read this text about who God is and his character, some important things. So first, let's look at these wilderness seasons and why God would bring them to our lives. A dark night of the soul, trials, hardships, a desert, dry land. First, 
Wilderness seasons are meant to bring frustration to your life. They're meant to bring frustration. That is one of their purposes and why God does them. He wants to bring frustration to you. Now, hear me out. This actually shows something beautiful about God. He'll allow you to stumble and walk through and learn a lesson because He already knows you're not sufficient. But you need to know that. And you need to know that He is sufficient. So He'll allow you to go your own way so that you can see your insufficiency. Verse 22 tells us that Moses then led them out into the wilderness of Shur. Now, Genesis 25 18 is a cross-reference, tells us this was the exact opposite way of Egypt. They were running from Egypt, going through the Red Sea, and they were going now to the direction of Assyria. Okay, God was moving them from Egypt, but the process was hard, because remember there was probably 2-3 million people. The text says 600 men plus women and children. And so the process was hard, and the process was through a desert, through wilderness. And the text says now they traveled for three days. Three days and they found no water. If you know anything about the body, um, you need water to survive. Okay? You could go longer without food, but three days without water is about the tipping point. So the text is telling us this is a desperate situation. You need food and water to survive. They were in trouble and they now realize this. In verse 23, it says they found some water. And when they came to Marah, this place, this location, as they're journeying, they found water, but they couldn't drink it because Mara means bitter. It means bitter. It means it wasn't satisfactory. They had it. They drank it probably because of survival, but it wasn't really great or really good. Now listen, this is what typically happens in the wilderness. It shows us our own efforts and our own ability. It shows us that we are human and we are weak, and not sufficient in ourselves. And what we need to know as Christians is this is a good thing. As you journey this life, and you go through hardships and trials, it actually reveals to your imperfection. And in our state of sin, and our state of pride, too oftentimes we try to walk this life, our own spiritual journey, without God, without His help, without His resources, and don't even include God in our journey. But our own efforts will never be satisfactory. They will never satisfy doing things our own way, finding our own life. They journeyed, they found Mara, but you know what? It wasn't that great. Even if we do find some satisfaction in the water of life, it's temporary. It remains bitter because it doesn't satisfy. You cannot have a satisfactory life without the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. That's what the Bible teaches. You know, an example of this in the New Testament would be the woman at the well in John chapter 4. You remember that story when Jesus had to go through Samaria and she met this woman who tried on her own to have a great life. She put her hope in relationships. She wasn't with a husband. No, she already had a couple of them, six. Now she was with another guy. These relationships failed her and she just was in a, in a hard place. And Jesus invited her to follow her and to drink from true and sweet water that he gives, eternal life. He told this woman in John chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Now you can actually talk about the well in context, but think about your life of all the ways you put hope in something to satisfy you. You could put your hope and thirst in a career or a family or money or status or power. 
whatever it may be, but it's fleeting. It won't satisfy. You'll thirst again. But he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, he will never thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this invitation was for this woman, but it also is for us today. Jesus says, come and follow me. If you're heavy laden, if you're weary, come, come, I'll give you rest. Isaiah would say, come and thirst. Those that don't have money, come and buy and drink. Be satisfied by God. He says, come. But too often times, we try to get our own water, our own basic needs, our satisfactions without God, don't we? We can forget. And so God sings, sends wilderness, our trials, our hard seasons in our life to humble us. And this is why God gave us the law. Remember, he's about to give them the law so they could see their need to show us that our own efforts won't satisfy and won't save. That we are imperfect people and we need God. Romans chapter 7, verse 7 says, What then shall we say, that the law is sin? By no means. Yet, if it had not been for the law, I would not have known sin. And so too with the wilderness. Sometimes we don't know what's really in our hearts unless we go through a trial and are tested. But that can cause you to have, be per, persevere and bring hope and to build your character and it reveals our need for Christ. And that is the purpose and point. You see, the second issue, our point of the wilderness season is wilderness seasons are meant to bring us to God. So they're meant to frustrate you in one sense, but they're also meant to lead you to God. It's not just to be like, be frustrated and be done with it. No, God is doing everything for a reason. Romans 8.28 says to conform us to the image of God. He loves us. He cares for us. He wants to give us grace. And so they purposely are supposed to reveal to us our need for God so that we will turn to Him. There's application in a wilderness season. Too often times we shrink back thinking, God doesn't love me. I, I can't feel his presence. It's so dry. I'm in this hardship. No, God does love you. He's proved himself to you on the cross. He wants you to lean in more to him so you can apply those things you know about his love into your heart as you go through that hard season. God doesn't bring us to the wilderness journey just to give us a hard time. His end goal is a good goal for us. And this is why we need faith as we wander, wander in the wilderness. Because if not, we start to complain and rebel against God, just as we see the nation of Israel do over and over again. And the Bible addresses that and says it's a lack of faith, trusting in God, looking to circumstances and not to the Lord. Like we're exhorted to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, not to the situation. And this is what happened to the Israelites in this text. Verse 24, it says that the, the people grumbled against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Well, you and I know they needed to drink water. This is like rhetorical. They're just complaining like, well, what are we supposed to do now, Moses? You let us all here. You know, it just keeps on going and going for them. Their eyes were on the situation more than God, and it didn't lead to good fruit. When your eyes are on situational stuff, things you can't control more than God, it will not lead to great fruit in your life. It will lead to complaining. One commentator said this, By now you would think the Israelites would have learned to cry out to God in prayer rather than complain. Instead, they showed their immaturity. 
But don't we all have maturity? Need to grow and need maturity maturing in our life? You know, it's sad to say, but God has been showing me more and more of my own inability and just my lack and insufficiency of things and saying, Dan, you need to grow in this area. You need to grow in this area. Things that people would never see. But he's always moving. He's always working. He's always going to bring you to a place that's closer to him. And we need to be open to the spirit to say, God, we want, I want more of you. We need to grow in our faith and be sensitive to how he's working. We need to ask ourselves questions like, when I'm in a wilderness season, do I cry out to God or do I complain? Do I cry out to God or do I complain? I know what my response should be. I know what the Bible verse is. But practically, Holy Spirit, can you fill me and pour out your spirit and give me empowerment to cry out to you, to be dependent on you? This needs to be our first reaction, a faith-filled prayer in hard times and not grumbling or anxiety. Because in verse 25 and 26, God tells us that he was testing the people to reveal what was in their hearts. So when you go through a wilderness season, pay attention close to what's in your heart. Pay attention to what he was wanting to show you through the season and not just looking to the season, but saying, okay, God, this stinks. You can say that. I'm worried. You can say that. I'm scared. This is terrible. I don't like it. Get me out of this situation. But God, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. So what do you want to do now in this situation as you obviously are allowing me to go through it? How can I mature in this? How can I abide in you, get closer to you, experience your grace more? Talk to him about these things and in your insufficiency and in your complaining, complain to God. Verse 25 and 26 says, There the Lord made for them a statue and a rule. There he tested them saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commands and keep all his statues, I will put none of the disease of you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. God wanted to bless them and bless us as we trust him in the trial. You need to know that God wants to bless you. He is not, for, he is not against you, he is for you. And if he is for you, who can be against you? He's not punishing you as you go through a hard season. He wants you to go to him in that hard season. Because as you go to him, you'll be satisfied. And this is why Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God and the good news of the gospel. And in John chapter 7, he would shout out and preach. He stood up and cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And the text says this was speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus truly satisfies us and gives us this sweet water, not in our own efforts, but by his grace. By his grace. And we see a beautiful picture here in this Exodus story of the cross of Christ of the gospel, the good news, the lens that we have the New Testament to see through, Moses cries out to God by faith, and what happens is God speaks. God just said, please listen to my voice. So Moses listens. The Lord says, hey, there goes a tree over there, a log. Go throw that in the water. And it says he did so, and the water became sweet. Now our mind should be exploding right now with, with just giving us a, a, just a beeline to the cross of Christ. 
Think about it. How do our bitter situations get sweet? It's only by the blood of the Lamb. It's only by the cross of Jesus Christ. It was the cross of Christ that we're able to drink from the living water and have the presence of the Holy Spirit, to truly be satisfied, to actually humble ourselves and receive God's grace. It was God that cried out and said, Look to my Son, whom I am well pleased. Look to what He has to offer. And it was Jesus that said, I give this freely to you. If you want to know the will of the Father, believe in him who sent. And God was sent. Jesus was sent, fully God, fully man, to die a life, uh, to die on the cross, live a life you and I couldn't live. He healed our wounds by his body being broken, beaten. The wrath of God was poured on the, on the cross of Christ, on Jesus himself for you and I. And we're able to partake and sweet living water because of what Jesus did. You know, I'm, I'm trying to memorize this verse for our community group, Tuesday night group. I asked you guys to memorize a verse. I haven't done it yet, but this is the verse I'm committing to. John chapter 5, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. That's what we have in Christ. Sweet water through the cross of Christ, through the tree. Peter would tell us this way in 1 Peter 2.24. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body on a tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. It is not by our own efforts, not by our own strength. It is the finished work of cross that heals us, that satisfies us. And it was God the Father sending his Son to die for our sins so we can have fellowship with him and have the Spirit of God satisfy us and walk in this life. Our God is a God that gives us satisfaction. And he wants us to go to him in a wilderness season, in this life and in this journey. And it leads me to the last point that we see in this text and through this sort of highlighting what we learn in wilderness seasons. Wilderness seasons are meant to display God's grace. They're meant to show us how good God is, that, that He is the one that gives. Moses cried out to God, and we see the result of His humility, grace. Or you may say bitter water made sweet. This is what God's grace can do to your life. It can make a bitter life turn sweet. It can bring beauty from ashes. It can bring death to life. To walk in darkness into light. God can do miraculous things by His grace, and He gives those, that grace to all that call upon His name. Verse 27 says, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. There was an abundance of water as they followed God. Not only was their bitter water turned into sweet water, God's sovereign providential hand led them to more water that sustained them. It wasn't just a one-time thing. I love what one commentator said. What's amazing here is not just that God can do a miracle, making the water sweet, but that he was willing to do it for these complainers. This is grace. God's grace is sweet. God's grace is sweet in your life if you've experienced him. Because it's by his grace. 
He didn't have to do anything. It's by His mercy. We deserved hell and wrath. And by His mercy, He gives us sweet grace. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that it was, yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You have to know this is the heart of our God, a God of love, who John says. God is able to and wants to work in our lives and express His love and give us grace as we cry out to Him so He'll bring hardship in our lives so we actually do so. Because He knows He's the only thing that can satisfy. Not our own efforts. Not our own... Not our own efforts. Not our own ability. But yet... We deal with pride, don't we? Why do we struggle with it? Even that is God's grace. Not to just take us out, but time and time again. You know, it says, the Bible says His love is steadfast. It means it's enduring. It perseveres. It's ongoing. It's unconditional. It's never ending. It's over and over again. In our stupidity, He still has grace. In our weakness, there's still grace. He's a God of love. And he'll continue to do this with these Israelites for 40 years. Give grace. Give grace. He'll continue to do that with your life as long as you live. Give grace. Give grace. Again, Moses reflecting on this, looking back in Deuteronomy, chapter 29, verse 5 through 6, he says, I have led them for 40 years in the wilderness. He says, your clothes have not worn out on you, And your sandals have not worn off your feet. You have not eaten bread. And have you not drunk wine and strong drink? Why? Well, that they may know that I am the Lord your God. God gives grace so we can know Him. And isn't that how you and I are saved? He gives grace so we can know Him. Because it's not by our own efforts, our own ability, or what we can do. God wants us to know Him. And we get to know God by His grace more in the wilderness. And so briefly, three things we can learn about God from this text. Not just about the wilderness, but one, God instructs His people. God instructs His people. God brought these people out of Egypt and instructed them what to do. We need to recognize He was with them in the wilderness and He led them in the wilderness and He's going to be with you no matter where you go. And He'll lead you and instruct you. He says, listen to my voice. I want to remind you that although we go through desert seasons, God is still with us. We can still look to Him and hear His voice. He instructed the Israelites, and He still instructs us through His Spirit and His Word today. God wants us to learn to walk with Him, and He wants us to heed His instruction. The second thing we learn about God is God refreshes, and He restores. He restores our soul. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? He restores us. He refreshes us. The miracle of Mara shows us that God can heal the waters of the body and the body. For some reason, this water made people sick. It was bitter. But he's Yahweh Ropha or Jehovah Ropha, Rofi, the God who heals, it says. Don't you know that I can heal? I, I can heal your body. I can do these type of things. He's able to give an abundance to us, to restore us, to refresh us. And what I love about this is he did it in a supernatural way and in a very natural way. And he does it both today. He restores us sometimes supernaturally. And he heals sometimes supernaturally. 
But he also does things in a natural way. Or we can pray and anoint you with oil and get healed, or you can go to a doctor and be healed. Because it wasn't just the bitter water turned sweet, but then he led him to another city or a location, Elam, and there was these 12 springs. And he said, now drink of this water. I'll lead you here in a very natural way. God gives us an abundance even more than we can ask or think as he restores us and refreshes his people. So he leads us, he instructs us, he instructs us and guides us to be restored, to be refreshed. And lastly, God is able to care for his people. God took care of his people by a miracle and by his providential hand. And God will take care of you by miracles and by his providential hand. Just the fact that you know him and have salvation is an absolute miracle. You always need to remember that. And that is the greatest miracle you can ever experience. But God's providential hand is on your life. He is a God that not just died, but he rose again. And he he knows every single hair in your head. And he is guiding and he is moving and he cares for you, the Bible says. Why do we cast our cares and cry out to God? Because the Bible says he cares for us. He cares for you. And he cared for these people in a sweet and beautiful way, showing in disgrace in multiple facets, giving the supernatural, the natural, giving gifts that they needed in a situation where they were desperate and they could thank him for working in their lives. And he will do the same for you. And your response should be gratitude and thanksgiving. And so here's the great news of this. Although the wilderness can test us, and it does test our faith, if we allow a hard season, the wilderness, to point us to Christ, we'll experience God's grace. Because, my friends, we all fall short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says, doesn't it? No one is perfect, not one, the Bible says. And the way of the wilderness makes us stronger, uh, not by our being good and trying harder in our own abilities or efforts, but by walking in humility and crying out to God. You see, just like the Israelites, you and I fail. We complain. We fall short. We aren't able to survive on our own. But God never fails. How can he? The Bible says even when we're faithless, he's faithful. He's the one that passed the test, the ultimate test. He lived a life you and I couldn't live. And now he exchanges his life for yours and says, just come, follow me. If you know him, you can be satisfied in him. God is a God of love and he sent Jesus to this earth to live a life you and I could not live and passed the test and lived a life of perfection. So when he went to the cross, he now paid that debt, gave you his righteousness and took on your debt and died for your sins. How beautiful is that? So why do we complain in the testing? Because we already have an A. All we have to do is receive God's grace. Go to God. Now you should complain and you should be upset if it's on your standard, if it allows you to try harder and just go for it and be satisfied in this, that, and the other. But there's good news, and the good news is Jesus. When we look to Him and allow Him to walk with us, then we get grace, we get God's perfection, and we freely get a drink from the living water. Revelation twenty two seventeen says this, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. God makes bitter water sweet. 
We just have to come to him. Let's continue to go to Jesus in this wilderness season as we study these next few Bible studies and talk about this. We're going to have these underlying principles. We're going to see them over and over again. But your role is to know, go to God, receive his grace, and be satisfied in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness, for your grace. We just thank you so much for a beautiful service. Lord, how you are working in our midst. From singing songs to praying to, Lord, just even um, the work you're doing in and through us in Mexico. God, we just want to continue to follow you through it all. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for those that are weak right now, that recognize they're weak. God, would you just give uh, uh, your grace and you put your hand upon them? Thank you, God, that in their weakness you are strong that we as Christians, we don't need to pretend like we're strong and we have it all together. You say that you are close to the brokenhearted. You are near to those who um, are going through a hard time. And so, Lord, let us just embrace in all testing, in all season of life, in all of our hurt, your powerful hand and providential hand in our lives. We thank you, Lord, that we can see, receive your grace. Help us to work, walk in humility to continue to do so, to cry out to you, Lord, not to complain and crowd the situation, look to other things, but God, to look to you. I pray for those that may not know you, Lord, that they would come to you and drink of living water, that they would know the living King, that they would experience you and be satisfied. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us joy as we do so. And so thank you once again for these people, for this time. Lord, as we gather under your name, we continue to pray you be exalted, not just in this service, but as we meet even this week in community groups and events and different things that we're doing, Lord. We love you and we bless you, and we praise your name. And everyone said, This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube, so you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus, and we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.